0: We have checked the tape, and now it is time to talk about what we saw in the Dolphins' all-22 performance, the coach's film. We got it. We watched it, talking the offensive side of the ball with the win against the Texans here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is a Monday, August 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I want to tip my cap to the everydayers. And thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. We got the coaches film. We watched the coaches film, at least offensively. I still have to do the defense. Uh, But worked through the full uh, All-22 gambit of all of the Dolphins performers on the offensive side of the ball. And as was the case last week, I have my Dolphins roster handy so that we can read through uh, the notes and observations that I have of the players. And want we'll to start segment one, talk about the starters, right? You've obviously got uh, a first quarter that featured a lengthy offensive drive, a very, a short-lived offensive drive. And then you had the red zone appearance from the starting defense before there were already some rotational things that had started to be made. So I look at what the Dolphins did offensively on the sustained drive for the touchdown. And the biggest observation that I have is this from a running game perspective, there were times last year where you felt like the Dolphins were a block away, a key block away from springing a big run. But even then, Things felt a little disjointed at times. And and I'll make the analogy is this. When I go to a college football game, say, and I'm not familiar with any of the prospects, and I just say, I'm going to come into this game with a blank slate, and I'm going to let the game speak to me on what players I need to watch. I try to watch from a 30,000-foot view and watch not just the player, but I try to watch all 11 on each side of the ball. And when you get to a certain point, you you can really see how everything kind of moves together. It's one big organic action that you're trying to accomplish. And the Dolphins really didn't have a lot of that last year. They had it against Houston, where you are seeing the entire front creating wash, and then you're pulling players around to win at the point of attack. And the back is making a proper read and key out of it. With with Raheem Mostert, obviously, he's familiar with the system. That's not a big surprise. That was the biggest difference to me was seeing the starters out there in the run game and everything flowing organically, everything flowing together. The 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 push that you're creating is all happening at the same time. The step frequency of the offensive line is more in rhythm. The receivers are getting down and digging out blocks in the box and timed up better instead of, oh, I got really good horizontal wash, but my receiver's not down in here, so that safety can shoot in and fit on that gap. And now the ball carrier's got to make a a big play happen, and you wish the offensive line maybe would have reacted quicker so he had a different out. Nope. The runs fit together. The blocks fit together. It was the number one thing that stood out to me. The other thing that I really enjoyed, and you kind of got a sense of this chess match that the Dolphins were playing with the Texans throughout the course of this drive. The third down conversions that they had on that drive saw a decent amount of cover six. Split field coverages, quarter, quarter, half. They take one opportunity, you put Tyreek Hill on the backside and it's quarter, quarter, half. and what you do is you run Durham Smythe. It was a three-by-one formation. It's the first third down backed up inside your own 20. Quarter, quarter, half. Uh, the They play the half to Tyreek Hill, who's isolated on the backside. So you get a clouded-up corner who's going to press him, and then a safety that's going to play deep half over top. Okay, it's a Vic Fangio staple. The other side of the field, the linebacker to that side is the wall player. His objective is to turn any routes that come across the middle of the field I got a collision him and can't let him clean across my face. Got to turn him back. Durham Smythe pushes hard upfield as the third strong receiver eligible. And you got a, a, a horizontal lift by the two receiver to the three receiver side to kind of try and run and create space. So Durham Smythe runs up. He gets onto that wall player, that linebacker that's that that end player. It's the hard line in the sand on the half field coverage. And I got to, I got to turn him back. And Durham leans into him. And then he hinges and he breaks outside into the space that was created by the horizontal run from the two. And Tua, in rhythm, feels this. It's, as JTO O'Sullivan would say, capital A, anticipation. When Tua makes the decision to throw the ball, Durham is just leaning into the linebacker. And then he hinges and pivots out, and the ball is on his outside shoulder away from that defender. It was a really nice job of reading the player at the sticks to convert the first down against the coverage that you got. And it attacked that coverage correctly. So you got quarter quarter half. So then the Dolphins say, okay, well our next third down, we're going to take Tyree kill and we're going to take him from the backside. And now we're going to move him over to two. So he's in the three receiver side. You still go three by one and you run an option route with him. Houston runs cover one. Uh, they, They run, it was a five man pressure. Middle of the field closed, which means there's a high free safety and a high post. You're manned across the board. Tyreek Hill's got Desmond King, and it's at, like, bump coverage, about five yards of depth. So Tyreek Hill closes that space, forces Desmond King to flip his hips. Desmond King carries vertically, and Tyreek Hill snaps it off because it's man coverage, and he, he breaks outside. And obviously the outside corner has a run with the outside receiver. And then you get down into the red zone, and you have another opportunity where they run quarter, quarter, half again. It was to his, his it was second and nine. It was to his best throw. It was the throw that he layered over top of Desmond King, uh, where they caught quarter, quarter, or they they caught cover six again, excuse me. And um this time Tyreek is running a deep out. And to the three receiver side, you've got a deep out, and now it's Braxton Berrios at the three. And Braxton Berrios. Presses inside. He presses on and fakes that wall player and gets up over top of him and then leans inside like he's going to run across before bending and turning the route outside. And Tua drops it up over top of Desmond King, who is in the flat hook, I guess, hook curl coverage against Durham Smythe, who is running the underneath dummy route. So you're trying to high low that player. When you high low that player, Tyreek Hill's going to catch the attention of the, of the deep coverage because he's Tyreek Hill. Braxton Berrios sells like he's working across before folding back out. And Durham, running a shallow, just sucks that player up just enough where I can now, in rhythm, back foot hits the ground. If I'm to a tongue of a low, back foot hits the ground. I hitch once to allow Braxton Berrios to sell that he's coming across the middle. And then again, with big time anticipation, as Braxton's bending out to get out of the break, I'm going to layer the ball up over top of the outstretched fingers of Desmond King and drop that thing into Braxton Barrios, where if he keeps his feet, he scores a touchdown. So you got two cover six or two cover six beaters, and then you got a uh, option route from Tyree Kill uh, against cover one man. That all in high leverage situations, one in the red zone, two on third down, were really, really good execution. So there's your passing game observations, and there is your running game observations. I want to tip the cap to Kendall Lamb. I thought he played a nice football game for the uh, opportunities that he had. I think Austin Jackson out there um, is somebody that we could probably talk a little bit more about in depth. I don't want to rush the Austin Jackson conversation. So that's actually what we're going to come back to next on this episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected with what you really want to navigate in life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement that you are making the best decisions for you, And yourself, trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. So if you're thinking of trying online therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dot com slash locked one. So let's talk Austin Jackson a little bit. Um, I wouldn't classify him as a winner, but I also wouldn't classify him as a, a loser as far as performances go against Houston. I thought it was a, a little bit of a mixed bag. You saw the run on the two yard line on second and 15 to start that long touchdown drive. It was probably his best play, where he works backside cutoff against a three technique. Robert Hunt gets on, up on top of a linebacker and creates the second level space. And Austin, really athletic, cutting off Sheldon Rankins. A really, really nice job to work all the way across. When we talk about the athleticism of Austin Jackson and how he can fit within the structure of this offense and how his assets, his best assets can be accentuated. Those are the kinds of plays that you have in mind. So if you get a chance, go back and watch that run from Raheem Mostert to get you out of the shadow of your own goalposts to set up the third and nine conversion or third and eight conversion of Durham Smythe and watch Austin Jackson on the backside of that run, really explosive lateral step rip across the face of Sheldon Rankins. And I'm going to set the hook. And once he got him in place, he kept him in place. Um, I think physically he struggled with speed to power conversions a little bit, whether it was Jerry Hughes or Will Anderson, you know those power conversion rushes from really explosive twitchy guys uh, was where I thought he showcased the greatest area of concern. Uh, one of those, and I'm sympathetic to the complex nature of the, the rep that he had to take. Houston gets up on the line of scrimmage. They got two threes and two nines, right? So two three techniques and two nines. And then they have linebackers. Mugged up in the eight gaps. So you got six guys on the line of scrimmage. The Dolphins ran a play that I've been begging us to run for feels like 18 months now. Mesh. They ran, appeared like they ran mesh. Uh, Because they hit Simon Ahmed on the rail route out of the backfield quick. And that was another third down conversion that he converted and and was able to, to a tongue of love, processed it quickly, but also understood, hey, am I going to be hot? Yes or no? He was not hot, but he still made the decision based on the leverage of the coverage to get the ball to his first read, which is the railroad out of the backfield. So, with the linebackers mugged up in the A-gaps, you as the offensive line, you understand there's six here. If they all come, we can't block somebody. So, Connor Williams is committed to, they've made a commitment to step left and Connor Williams is going to take the A-gap defender to his left. And obviously, Isaiah Winsteps left, Kendall Lamb steps left. You can't invoke the running back because the running back in mesh is running the rail route. He's the first progression, so you can't just tag him into the, the protection and get six for six and say, hey, we're not hot. We're, we're not going to block it up, or we're able to block it up. Robert Hunt has to squeeze at least for a split second in the event that the other A-gap defender shoots the A-gap. Because if Rob Hunt says, well, I got a defensive tackle, a three technique on my outside shoulder, I'm just going to take him and the center steps left and the other A-gap linebacker that's walked up comes, he's got a free run of the quarterback, and you don't want to be hot up the A-gaps like that. So Robert has to honor the linebacker first before then getting into his protection. Austin's in the same situation that Robert is in. Hey. I got to provide some kind of a kickstand for Robert Hunt as the three technique, where if Robert's got to step down, I too got to step down and I got to take the three technique. And then the edge rusher, the guy on the edge is going to be the rusher because that's the furthest distance to get to the quarterback. But if Robert doesn't have to squeeze and he comes back out and sets on the three, then I can set on, on the nine technique, which is Jerry Hughes. So the linebacker does not come. The Weak side linebacker does not come, but both Austin and Robert have to take a split second to confirm it that they're not squeezing down into a full slide before they set on their players. Robert gives a quick hand check, confirms he sets on the three. Austin gives a quick check, peeks inside, feels Robert's step to the three technique, and he says, Okay, now I can get out here on Jerry Hughes, but he's a tick late getting off of it, and Jerry Hughes is. Bat out of hell, shot out of a cannon, and he ends up bull rushing Austin Jackson. Austin needs to anchor better, period. There's no question about it. But at the very least, I think Austin, I understand the process of how Austin got put in that position, and I appreciate the fact that we checked and we didn't just say, well, I'm just going to set on the outside guy, and then heaven forbid they do come, and now you've given a free runner up the bill. So, mixed bag Austin Jackson. Uh, as, as far as guys that I think are absolutely winners, I've got a list of them. And um, I'll go ahead and read through, I think, who the obvious winners are. I think Robert Hunt was a big-time winner amongst the starters uh, for his play. He manhandled uh, a couple of guys. He did a really nice job. And once it it became uh, Roy Lopez. Uh, Roy Lopez probably going to have a real hard time thinking about Rob Hunt at night because Rob threw him around. I thought Raheem Mostert, obviously the chunk runs, he had the the run on second and long inside your own five. He had the long run that put you on the fringe of the red zone that set up the touchdown. He had the touchdown run. Um, I thought he looked really, really good. I thought Durham Smythe showcased himself well as a blocker. Uh, He and Tyler Croft set the key blocks on the touchdown run. And if you had to ask me right now, those are your top two tight ends is Durham Smythe and Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft is going to be a low-key, sneaky, good finding for the Dolphins. I think he's he's far surpassed every other player that's not Durham Smythe. And the familiarity in the system shows. Kendall Lamb, who we already acknowledged, and then Braxton Berrios. Uh, Berrios had the big second and long catch that put you down inside the five and set up the touchdown. He had a touchdown catch on a long-developing route uh, from Skylar Thompson on another red zone opportunity uh, just before the half where he did a really nice job. He runs a deep route that's kind of up the middle and then breaks that thing outside and kind of as an extended play. Bananas his way back downhill towards a bunch of green rests, and Skyler cuts it loose and he's able to get in the end zone. Uh, Braxton was pretty scrappy too. He had a couple of plays where he he was really getting into guys as a blocker for not big guy. Where I'm like, oh, okay. like It was really healthy work that he was able to find. So I thought Braxton Barrys helped himself as well. For guys that are not starters, but I thought were winners, Skylar Thompson, who we acknowledged on yesterday's show, played probably the best performance we've seen from him since the first half of Minnesota in the regular season last year or last year's preseason. I thought he settled in really well. Uh, I, I thought his... Understanding of where he needed to go with the ball, I thought that was the biggest issue that I took with Skyler's play last year. Was you're getting up the line of scrimmage, and I thought there were too many instances where we were working congested sides of the field relative to leverage and routes and and the game situation and the down and distance, and missed some good opportunities to find easier completions. Well, I thought he found some easier completions. Uh, I thought the slant route that he threw to Uh, Cedric Wilson on an empty, uh, empty formation on a third and short was a really nice example of an easy completion. Uh, he also got outside the pocket. He was in the grasp at times and got it down to his running back and he shoveled one to, uh, Julian Hill, who I thought was another player who uh, had some high water moments that, that I'll acknowledge here as well. Obviously, Sivan Ahmed with the, the rushing production that he has, it's hard not to classify him as a winner. I think he's firmly solidified himself on the 53 and a guy we didn't see last week, Dan Feeney. Uh, he played both center and guard, he played center and left guard or center and right guard, excuse me, and got some good movement. Uh, I think he's better in the run game or he was better in this game in the run game that he was in pass protection. Uh, there were some instances in pass pro where guys hit him with a counter and he's, not quite able to recover to the degree that you would have liked to have seen from a functional athleticism standpoint, but uh, in close quarters and and horizontal run flow and creating some movement and and creating some displacement, I thought Dan Feeney did a nice job. Uh, He'll obviously be critical as the Dolphins learned um, via the imaging for Robert Jones, that he has a sprained MCL. He's probably going to miss four to six weeks, according to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, if it's four, you might be available to dress for week two. If it's six, you're probably available to dress in week four against Buffalo uh, if you're Robert Jones. So bummer for for Robert, who is obviously in the running for a starting spot, but you look at Teron Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, probably your projected five. Kendall Lamb is the swing tackle. I think you still have Dan Feeney as your flex interior guy. So now you're at seven. Lester Cotton's been in the running. We haven't acknowledged Lee and yet. Like Feeney having a good performance helps me feel a little bit better about the Robert Jones uh, injury for him being on the shelf for approximately a month. It's a bummer for him, though, because I think Rob's been been pretty solid for you. Uh, Other guys that I have is mixed bag guys. To a Valoa, obviously the the uh, interception thrown, not something you want to uh, see. <laughs> um, I think I don't think that was designed to be a sprint out. Upon further review, I think it was penetration from forty five, which I believe is Jacob Martin for the Texans, was in a nine tech, and he slipped underneath the slice action from Durham Smythe. And I think Tua felt that and was forced to get off his spot. And that just compounded the throwing in window issue even more because it pulled all the linebackers to come with you. So in a perfect world, we're not juiced up. We put the ball in the ground. We throw the ball out of bounds. We go to second down and we go from there. It's not what you got. Now, you if you're Tua tongue below, you got hit, made a tackle, threw an interception, you bounce back. Okay, we'll see if they ultimately choose to to give Tua more reps before the start of the regular season. But we got our feet in the water. I think that's a nice step. And, and again, the anticipation and some of the routes that he threw and attacked this, this cover six type of look, uh, these split field coverages for third down conversions, that was a big win for me. Was seeing, okay, they got split field coverage and Tua is attacking it and on time and understanding what he's seeing when he's throwing the ball and throwing with anticipation, accuracy, and touch. Okay, that's the good news. And then Julian Hill was my other mixed bag guy. We'll talk about him and then some guys who I, I think are potentially losing ground next year as we bring this episode of Locked On to a close. The NFL season is just about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on Super Bowl winners, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick on any team to win the Super Bowl and you will get bonus bets for every victory that you can use on spreads player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. So I got my notes here. The roster. Julian Hill. Uh, I think there was some good. I think there was some bad. Had a couple of receptions in this game. Had one where he made himself available for a Schuyler Thompson shovel. Was good awareness. Uh, had an awesome just just he planted a starting defensive end in the NFL like a tree on this chip release against Jonathan Grenard. And I saw it on the TV copy when we were watching the game live. I said, "Holy cow!" He just stuck him. And sure enough, you went back and watched it, and he buried him. And Jonathan Grenard's a good player now. What we should not do is put too much stock into a rep in which the defensive end is not looking at you at all and is focused on rushing the offensive tackle, and he gets caught with a shoulder from the side. I love the physicality, but when I watched Julian Hill in his entirety, I thought that was the best rep. I thought the hands that he showcased as a pass catcher was a, a desirable attribute. But the inline blocking, I don't think, is where you're going to want it to be to feel like he can be a consistent, positive contributor just yet. Now, I think the long-term prospects is this is a developmental player outstanding, and the Dolphins are going to have this decision to make to say, okay, do we want to run the risk of putting him through waivers when we get to the 53-man cutdown, and risk losing him? As a developmental type, he's an awesome developmental player. And he has taken the physicality of the NFL much better than you would expect on the surface level of watching a player that played at Campbell University. But the consistency of getting attached on blocks with his hands and staying framed on those blocks is an area that he's going to need to continue to develop. You would expect that he needs to continue to develop. And he got a lot of run in this football game. I don't know what that means. I don't necessarily know that that's an indication that he's ahead of, of Elijah Higgins. Uh, I think Elijah Higgins has a much better uh, ceiling as a receiver. Obviously, he was a college receiver. You would expect that to be the case. Elijah Higgins, by the way, on on one of those uh, key down and distance situations, it was the last two minutes of the third quarter. Uh, he drew Shaq Griffin, who's been like a successful NFL corner uh, in coverage, and he blew right by him. He, like he blew the doors off him by three yards on just a, a nine route down the field. Now it was a lift route. So you're, you're running the coverage off, but the way that he ran through that, if that safety that was in the high post was sniffing around somewhere, he could have been Skyler could have felt or seen that and turned that ball loose. And it would have been a touchdown because he burned Shaq Griffin that bad. So for Julian Hill, uh, I'm encouraged. I think that there's going to be a strategic decision that's made. But if they keep Julian Hill on the 53, I think that's a player that's going to have to earn his keep on special teams more so than being a player who is consistently contributing as a net positive player on the offensive play. Players who I think lost ground. um, And their status with the roster is kind of hurt. Um, Miles Gaskins won by no fault of his own. He did not participate in this game. Uh, and maybe the Devon A. Chain shoulder injury that is still to be determined on the severity of that uh, will help his cause when it's all said and done. But ultimately, look, Chris Brooks ran hard. Chris Brooks had a good performance. Savan Ahmed had a strong performance. And that's to go with Jeff Wilson and Raheem. Like the numbers game is not friendly for Miles Gaskin. And to miss time, I think, hurts. I definitely think that hurts him. I think another player who did not dress, uh, whose status is we're probably past the point of no return on, is Liam Eikenberg. Isaiah Wynn wasn't perfect. I think Isaiah Wynn had a really good push. I think Isaiah Win had really good moments. I think some of the nuances and little, little points of playing guard as far as working off combo blocks inside to get the linebackers with the angles being different uh, some of your set points, as a, a pass protector, are a little bit different. Um, I think those are the areas for Isaiah Wynn That adding more polish there is going to be helpful for him. Uh, I don't. Th- I wouldn't say Isaiah Wynn played a perfect football game by any means, but I th- think there were. If you took all the net performances, positive and negative, he was a positive perfor- performer for the Dolphins. And even though you have Robert Jones, who's got a sprained MCL, and you had Lester Cotton, who did not participate either. You got Dan Feeney as a strong performer. You got Isaiah Wynn, who seems to be pulling away from the pack here. Um, And Liam not getting a chance to to get in and work against anybody from Houston. He missed the whole week of practice. I I think he's losing ground severely, and and I think the door's probably creeping close to shut, if not completely shut, on his hopes of being the starting left guard. Uh, Robbie Chosen's another one offensively. uh, Had one opportunity, the ball came in hot and high uh, it was catchable ball. You would have liked to see him bring it in, uh, but he did not. And I think with the wide receiver room and the competitiveness of that group, you'd like to think we'd be making some plays and that hasn't been the case. Obviously he was a, a mini camp darling and stand out for, uh, what he was able to do early in this offseason season install. Uh, but I'm just a little worried for, for Robbie that, you know, with River Craycraft getting run and being here with the team last year and being in this offense for several seasons and what Braxton Berrios has emerged to look like and Eric Azukama starting to get schemed touches in addition to being asked to be a complimentary player and obviously Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Cedric Wilson's financial commitment. There's just a lot that I, I think if you're starting to see who's pulling away from the pack and who's not, I think Robbie Chosen's in the wrong group in the wide receiver room in that regard. And then the same thing I think can be said for Eric Saubert. They tried to give Eric Saubert some run as a fullback in this game. And and those instances as a fullback where he's trying to insert and take on defensive linemen. Uh, I was surprised to see just how well the defensive linemen were able to absorb his contact. And that was not necessarily what I was expecting. Um, Saubert's kind of been a seam runner in the passing game, but has had some effective looks as a blocker in the past. But I think Tyler Croft is pulling away from him, and I think these young guys uh, are are making a really strong argument uh, to potentially save a a little bit of money, not a lot of money, but a little bit of money, and have longer or or more appealing long-term upside. So I think Saubert, at this point, he's definitely falling behind Tyler Croft, and Durham Smythe was always in front of him. So now you're looking at a tight end three at the best. Well, now you got a rookie that you drafted in Higgins, and you got Julian Hill as an intriguing developmental type who can be something that I don't think Saubert is as far as a big-bodied physical inline guy. I don't think Saubert's ever going to be a road grader. So those are the guys for me who I I think are are maybe falling off the pace a little bit as we get ready to get down here in the next week. I believe cut down is eight days from now, and you got to go straight from 90 to 53 and it's going to be a bloodbath. It's one of the least enjoyable days of uh, the NFL calendar is to to see those roster cutdowns and see so many players, almost half the players that are on roster right now, 10 days from now, will not be on a team. It's the ugly side of the business. But uh, I don't think all of those players, based on their financial situation, namely Eichenberg and the investment and the importance of offensive line depth, um, I don't think he's necessarily in danger with a roster spot. Uh, But those other three, Gaskin, Saubert, Chosen, uh, I'd be a little bit concerned about as far as their forecast making the roster moving forward from here. That is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed this all 22 deep dive into the Dolphins' offensive performance against the Texans. Next, we have the defensive side. I got to go grind that tape, which is what I'm about to go do. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I appreciate the everydayers for staying locked in with us here on the Locked On Network. Make it a great rest of your afternoon. and I'll be back to talk to you all again soon about more Dolphins football. Fins up.